You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody to the first Fan Rack Fantasy Baseball since the end of the postseason. Be happy if you're uh, if you're an Astros fan. Even if you're a Dodgers fan, you're probably not happy. But uh, it was it was a heck of a ride. Uh, you got to enjoy a, a great postseason. If you're a baseball fan, you got to enjoy a great postseason. But I really, really cannot believe that this is just the third day without baseball. It feels like at least three weeks and maybe three months. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, we have a lot to cover here today uh, because once. The postseason ends. Uh, we've got free agency. Uh, we've got uh, qualifying offers uh, with a deadline of Monday afternoon or evening, depending on what time zone you're in. Uh, so uh, there's an awful lot to talk about there. We're going to break down some of that on the show. Uh, we're going to uh, take a look at some of the recent news. Uh, we've got uh, players with options being picked up, options being declined. We've uh, got some more movement in terms of uh, front office personnel. So there's really quite a lot to get to, even though we don't have any games to look back on or to look forward to for a long time. Actually, that is not entirely true. Tonight is the AFL Fall Stars game in Phoenix uh, at, I uh, believe it's, I know it's 8 o'clock Eastern, and I've also seen it posted as 5 o'clock Mountain Time. That, that math doesn't add up. So I'm going to assume it's 6 o'clock uh, local Mountain Time there in Arizona. But uh, in any event, uh, check your local listings, and uh, it is being broadcast, I believe, on MLB Network, and I know for sure it's being streamed on MLB.com. So uh, if you're looking for some baseball like I am, uh, you've got a game to watch tonight, and I'm going to talk about that more uh, later on in the show because there's a lot of really good, interesting players to watch in that ball game tonight. But let's get on with the news. Uh, in case you haven't heard yet, the Astros are the World Series champions. Seven-game fantastic series. George Springer is the World Series MVP, just like Sports Illustrated laid it all out uh, more than three years ago. So uh, pretty cool stuff for the Astros and for Sports Illustrated. Uh, but uh, moving on into the postseason, Masahiro Tanaka did not opt out of the remaining three years of his contract with the Yankees. I actually talked about that on last week's show with uh, FanRag's John Heyman. And uh, John, probably like most of us, or many of us anyway, were very surprised by this news, uh, figuring that uh, Tanaka could go out on the market and uh, maybe top that three years, $67 million that he's got left on his contract. Uh, but I'm going to break that down a little bit later on in the show and see, well, does it look like it was a good move for Masahiro Tanaka? Uh, among players who had their options for next year picked up already, Jose Altuve, $6 million. Yeah, that seems like that was kind of a no-brainer. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon, Michael Brantley, Josh, Tom, Josh Tomlin. So anyways, I will get to all that and much, much more right after this break. So stay with me. Skicks 
sneakers are taking over tailgates and alumni homes across America. Skix Canvas High Top, Low Top, Slip-On, and Kids Tennis Style Sneakers, designed in officially licensed college colors and logos, is a must-have for every college fan's wardrobe. Fun, fashionable, and comfortable. Whether you're at the big game or watching the game at home, Skix helps fans perform better. Go to Skix.com and use promo code FNTSY for 15% off your pair now. That's Skix.com. Skix Sneakers, the soul of a true fan. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And I was very remiss in the first segment, uh, leaving out a very, very important detail about this show. So excited about the World Series and uh, with uh, free agency uh, uh, coming up. Uh, I forgot to mention, got a great guest on later on. In fact, in the very next segment, see Trent Rosecrans from the Cincinnati Inquirer. Had him on the show once before uh, during the season, but uh, glad to have him back and very, very timely guest because one of the players who is a potential recipient of a qualifying offer, and again, that deadline is on Monday, would be Zach Cozart. So I'll certainly be talking uh, to Trent about that, but uh, Reds uh, have an interesting 2018 ahead of them, so it's not too early to start previewing some teams so uh we'll have trent on here shortly to get to all of that so uh really really looking forward to talking baseball with trent anytime especially on the air anyway uh before i get back to all the news and and there's plenty of it i just want to remind you that you can go to either dailyroto.com slash dkms or rotoexperts.com slash dkms and there you will be able to find out about DKMS uh, and their mission to fight blood cancer. There's all sorts of information there in terms of how you can make a donation, how you can get out the word about DKMS and their uh, fight against blood cancer, and also uh, information on how to sign up as a bone marrow donor. So a lot of good stuff there. And by the way, while you're there, um, might as well check out the free DFS game that Fantasy Sports Radio Network is co-sponsoring with Fantasy Draft. I've been playing it. Uh, if you tuned into the Tout Wars Hour this week, uh, Justin uh, Mason and I uh, talked about our uh, lineups for this week. Uh, so uh, check that out. And uh, there is a game, a new game, every single week for the first 16 weeks of the season. And then the winners from each of the 16 weeks will then match up in week 17 and the winner, uh, the champion of the champions, gets two tickets to Super Bowl 52 in Minnesota. So a lot of great stuff there, both on Roto Experts and DailyRoto.com uh, in regard to the fantasy draft game and uh, in regard to DKMS. So lots of good reasons to check those sites out. All right. So uh, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Masahiro Tanaka has not... Uh, opted out from his contract. So like Justin Upton before him earlier in the week, uh, he has taken himself out of the free agent market. And uh, to me, it's uh, it's kind of an interesting question about whether or not uh, Tanaka made the right move here. And again, uh, as I said earlier, I think this came as a surprise to a lot of people, myself included. But... Um, you know, he he did he even though there were some some bad starts in September, a couple of them notably, he did finish much stronger than he started in the first half. Uh, I'm sure you remember, especially if you were a Tanaka owner, uh, it, it was a frustrating season for him and 
for anybody that uh, had a stake in him in fantasy. Going into the All-Star break, Tanaka had a 5.47 ERA. Now, he was getting strikeouts at a decent rate, 23%, but he had a serious, serious case of gopheritis. Two home runs, 2.0 home runs every nine innings. So even in this year's escalated power-hitting environment, that is very extreme and and very bad for one's ERA and, and for one's fantasy health in general. Now, over the course of the season as a whole, Tanaka, more than any other pitcher, that allowed 100 fly balls. And first of all, let that sink in, that you're a pitcher in the AL East with Yankee Stadium as your home park. Allowing 100 fly balls is not necessarily a good thing to start with. But among that sample of pitchers, he had the very highest average fly ball distance of 341 feet. Now, that's for the whole season. Now, you might say, well, you know, what happened in the second half? Well, his overall results were much better. Now, they had 377 ERA, which is nothing that would really turn your head. But when you put that in the context that his strikeout rate went from 23% in the first half to 30% in the second half, well, suddenly you could tolerate, even for the AL, sort of a mediocre ERA. He was striking guys out. The home run rate improved greatly, 1.4 per nine innings in the second half. That's still not good. But again, in the current environment, now if you go back even a year or two, you'd say 1.4 is way too high. In this year's environment, it's not really that bad. And it's a big, big upgrade from giving up two every nine. But the average fly ball distance barely changed from the first half to the second half. This is the thing that makes this sort of weird. And not to put too much stock in one stat, but it was still very, very high, 334 feet on average. So um, I don't know what to make of this. I don't, you know, I, I have not looked yet at the the data. Um, Bill James' handbook puts this out every year, uh, the number of, of long outs versus uh, uh, home runs. And now that I'm thinking about it, I actually, I don't know that they, I don't think they put that out for pitchers, just for hitters. But that's one source and one way or another. I want to look into that this offseason as a fantasy owner, because that initial kind of top line read of the stats, to me, suggests Tanaka might have been a little bit lucky in the second half in terms of that home run rate and in terms of the ERA. Now, he missed a lot of bats. So that's going to go a long way towards shaving that home run rate. But um, I don't know. I don't know. Um, if, if other teams are kind of looking at that, that same thing, you know, I don't know what uh, front offices around the major leagues would look at in terms of Tanaka's line that might, might have encouraged them to uh, pay for him, pay more than he's going to get or not. But with you know the, the kinds of stats that are available to all of us right now, I think maybe Tanaka and his agent knew something uh, that that some of us didn't know or, or weren't weren't thinking about. Maybe maybe Tanaka did just fine, sticking with three years and sixty-seven million. Um, we'll see, we'll see. But uh, yeah, that's he's going to be a player I'm going to get dig into. And this is a, a this is something I talked about in the Tout, Tout Wars Hour this week. This is a great time of year to be a fantasy owner and a fantasy analyst because yeah, we missed baseball, but now we actually have a little extra time to dig into some of these stats, to do a deep dive on Masahiro Tanaka. Uh, Carlos Martinez is another pitcher who um, was very prone to the home run prone to the long fly. 
want to dig into that because that's an aberration for Martinez. Uh, you know, lots of hitters too that had really interesting and sort of confusing seasons. So this is the time we can kind of dig into that. And uh, as I do more research, of course, I'll be bringing it to the show. So um, if you like that sort of thing, stay with me for this offseason because we're, we're going to do some deep dives. Anyways, let's get back to the news. Uh, so just scratch the surface here. So as I mentioned already, Jose Altuve, Andrew McCutcheon, Michael Brantley, Josh Tomlin all had their options picked up by their clubs. Altuve at $6 million was a, an absolute no-brainer. I think Andrew McCutcheon at $14.5 million. Maybe it's, a, it's an exaggeration to say a no-brainer, but I didn't think that should have been a hard decision for the Pirates, especially in light of the kind of money that Justin Upton's going to make for the next few years. Uh, I think McCutcheon uh, should have probably similar productivity to Upton, and he's going to be, for the next year, considerably cheaper. So I thought that was a good good move by the Pirates there. Michael Brantley at $12 million a year, that one was a minor surprise to me. Maybe maybe surprise isn't even the right word. I just I I thought that that was going to be interesting, whichever way that the Indians went on that. And I got to say, Josh Tomlin, uh, actually, I'm sorry, let me get back to Brantley because I skipped over a very important detail there. He had ankle surgery on October 18th. So he had a nice season when he did play Brantley, showed that he still has the ability to hit for average, get on base, even steal a base, which was great to see. But um, yeah, just having had ankle surgery, that that has me a little concerned for him. Uh, Josh Tomlin, that might seem like an afterthought, but $3 million for a pitcher who at the very least could give you some innings and some depth at the back of your rotation. Over his last 10 starts in 2017, he had a 311 ERA. He struck out 45 batters in 55 innings, which is, you know, again, in, in this environment, not that impressive, but probably, I'll tell you, better than I expected from Josh Tomlin. And are, are you ready for this? He's always been a pretty good control pitcher. He walked three batters in his last 10 starts. Three batters. So uh, he kept the the home runs at a reasonable minimum, which is always the thing that is a problem for Josh Tomlin. But that's that's another maybe another player to dig into because it's ten games. It's just long enough that that's uh, it's interesting to me, and maybe it means something, even though he's not really at the stage of his career where you would necessarily expect a breakout. And finally, the Mets picked up as Drupal Cabrera's eight point five million dollar option uh, for next year. A little bit of a disappointing season power-wise for him, but had some of the best plate discipline of his career, Cabrera, and uh, he'll certainly hold down a spot in the infield, most likely second or third base for Cabrera. So um, yeah, he'll be a Met again in 2018. Anyhow, lots, lots more to come, but uh, right away after this break, going to be joined by C. Trent Rosecrans. We're going to talk some Reds, and I cannot wait, so please do stick around. (laughs) It never gets old. All right, everyone. Two truths, one lie. I was going to be on The Real World. I play the oboe. And I saved a kid's life. You definitely never saved a kid's life. I'm serious. Last summer, I donated bone marrow to a kid who had leukemia. Saving a life. The truth is, it's easier than you think. Learn how at DKMS.org. <laughs> who knew we were living with a hero? Um, a hero <laughs> who plays the oboe. <laughs> <laughs> 
Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and as promised, join me today as my special guest from the Cincinnati Inquirer and also the host of the Great American Dream podcast, C. Trent Rosecrans. Trent, thank you so much for joining me. Hey, no problem, Al. It's a lot easier this time than the last time we met up. <laughs> well, well, definitely easier for you because just yeah. to clue people in. The last time uh, Trent and I saw each other and, and talked to each other was in Billings, Montana. We were both there uh, to talk to Hunter Green. I only had to drive two hours down I-90, but uh, you had to basically travel the uh, – the length of the country almost <laughs> to get there. So uh, it was uh, was a very, very nice surprise uh, to see you here in Montana. And yeah. uh, this is uh, easier. And, and for you, I assume, uh, uh, a less cold experience because it's like 20 degrees and snowing out here. It is not 20 degrees and snowing here. <laughs> well, uh, again, uh, by whatever means, I'm glad you're able to join me for the show today. And um, uh, let's talk about your uh, your podcast because uh, through the introduction I mentioned you host a, a pod called Great American Dream, which is a, a great title that works on on multiple levels. Uh, uh, what's uh, yeah. what's the the basic gist of the of the podcast? Basically, it's um, telling the stories of the minor leagues through the eyes of um, a Reds prospect, second base prospect named Shed Long, and I talk to Shed. Uh, throughout the year. And, and, you know, he and I started in spring training, um, talked a lot and started this in spring training. And then uh, a couple weeks after the uh, the major league season ended, uh, he went on to instructional league and he was back and he was back home in Alabama. And I joined him down there in Alabama and kind of checking out throughout the season. And it was, it was not just the story of Shed, but using him as kind of something effective, uh, you know, kind of our, to tell all the different stories and, and not just his story, but also that of, uh, you know, there's so many of these players that come to the United States, not speaking any English and um, just all these different universal stories of the minor leagues uh, that, that a lot of people don't think of uh, when they go to a ball game. And so it was, it was fun. Um, to, to kind of talk to a bunch of different people about their experiences in the minor leagues. Cause not only did I talk to shed, but you know, you get some of his teammates like Blake Trahan or, um, you know, uh, so many of these other guys, but also talk to Joey Votto, Zach Cozart, Ken Griffey Jr. Um, all sorts of things um, from, from the likes of Ken Griffey Jr. Who um, <laughs> we all kind of know, I would hope. Uh, who are listening here, um, who goes to the Hall of Fame, is all the way down to a guy like Bo Lanier, who is who was a, a pitcher who got as high as high A uh, back in 2007 when his arm blew out and uh, had to give up that dream and, and figure out what to do once that dream of playing Major League Baseball died. Yeah, well, uh, I would also, uh, you know, if you this sounds interesting to you, and it should, uh, uh, on Trent's uh, Twitter page, which you can find at C Trent, uh, this is your pinned tweet. Uh, it links to uh, a piece that you did for the Inquirer that's really, uh, you know, a timeline 
of Shedlong's uh, season, you know, going back even to uh, to spring training. And and I'll just say one more thing about this piece that the thing I found interesting that I didn't know that you grew up with uh, Jimmy Anderson, who was in the Pirates rotation yeah. for a few years. So uh, that was a, kind of a, a neat thing to learn about. Well, and it was one of those funny things was, you know, I'm doing all these stories. And one of the stories I did was talk to a bunch of different guys about when they got called up and what that experience was like, and not just getting the call to say, Hey, you're going to the big leagues, but what happened when they got there. And it's one of those small world things. Um, I'm talking to Bronson Arroyo and Bronson tells this story about the day he gets called up. He was scheduled to start like a day later and he was getting ready to go out and they were, he was going to put on his spikes and one of the guys who had been with him in the minors was like, don't put on your spikes. And, and Bronson was like, well, I've been pinch running, pinch hitting. And he's like, nobody's going to make you do that here. And so that was Jimmy Anderson. And <laughs> sure enough, like their, their pitcher got called, got pulled out in the second inning or so. And Bronson was called on to pinch hit. So he pinch hit in his big league debut, <laughs> but he's wearing turf shoes instead of spikes. <laughs> And he grounded out, and he's like, "Yeah, if I were having spikes, I would have, I would have, you know, I would have legged out a double." <laughs> just so you're, you're, you're tells the story, but it's just yeah, so you're it's like a, a, a step thing. removed from that. <laughs> yeah, and so it was pretty funny that that I mean, it's a kind of a small world type of thing, and like the guy Bo Lanier that I that I talked to, um, and, and the reason I talked to him is because I knew him from when I covered him at Clark Central High School, and then we ran into each other my first year on the Reds beat in 2007 when he was in the minor leagues. And it's like, hey, Trent. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. He went to the University of Georgia and played there. So it's just one of those things. There was a lot of these connections, and it was it was a lot of fun to, to do this series. It's a 12-part series. All the episodes are around 20 to 30 minutes. Um, it's five and a half hours of content if you're – on a long road trip and you can stand listening to me any more than this, which I got to understand could be a tall order. <laughs> now, this is, this is just the appetizer Trent. So uh, people should definitely go check that out. And is, uh, is that something that's going to continue uh, beyond the first 12 installments? I do not know. Uh, it was, um, it was quite the feat. I, um, if I say so myself, I, you know, I put all the scripts together because I was going to write uh, the, the piece that you spoke of. And it was about 50,000 words um, because they were all scripted episodes and 50,000 words in six months on top of the uh, regular baseball beat was, um, it was enough to to make me not want to do it again, (laughs) but I'm really, I'm, I'm super, super proud of, of the end result. And I, and I hope if anybody has interest in minor league life, uh, they will check it out. All right. Well, uh, they all definitely should. So uh, that, that's a good deal. Uh, and I can certainly understand why there might not be more, but it would be awesome if there was. Uh, Thank well, you. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, let's uh, to, just uh, look ahead a, a bit to 2018. Is Zach Hozart going to be a part of the Reds in 2018? Uh, do you think he'll even get a qualifying offer uh, by this Monday? I, I do not. Um you know, uh, Zach Buchanan, my, my partner on the Red Speed at Cincinnati Inquirer, had a piece up this week. Um, he talked to a bunch of general managers around the game, or decision makers and scouts and other people. And 
the consensus was that maybe Zach Cozart would get somewhere around two years, twenty million, and 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 I think there's a possibility he gets, you know, something closer to three twenty five, twenty six, twenty seven. But when you're talking about a seventeen million dollar um, offer, I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I mean, uh, right, right, right. Understandable. Yeah, because he can uh, certainly bring in more on the market, uh, you know, given uh, his his defensive uh, history and then you know breaking out offensively. In, in, uh, yeah, and he did it more or less on one leg this year. Yeah. I mean, he was hurt all season. Uh, that hamstring was bugging him all season. And he and he did that offensively more or less on one leg. So it's amazing. Um, but he's also older. And that's that's an issue, and he's had some leg issues the last three years. Yeah, so that's uh, you know I think that's why it might make it a little bit of a question about whether or not he'd get one. But uh, I would agree. I'd certainly defer to you, Trent, because I think you more than than uh, just about anybody would would have a beat on that. Uh, well, yeah. if we don't have Zach Cozart back with the Reds next year. Uh, is there any possibility Eugenio Suarez would move back to shortstop and make room for uh, Nick Senzel? I don't see that happening. Um, I would, I would, ex- I could see Nick Senzel playing second base before I could see Eugenio Suarez playing shortstop. I think, I think, you know, we talked to Dick Williams in our season-ending piece about this, and he he basically said, yeah, I don't see that. I can see. Uh, uh, Gino getting some time in spring training at short just to be able to play there in an emergency, but you don't. I, I wouldn't expect a full time. And if we're talking fantasy, a fantasy qualifier at shortstop. Okay, uh, but we, there should be room one way or another for Senzel. What about Jesse Winker, who I think mystified everybody with his call up uh, late in the year, uh, hitting for power that we maybe hadn't seen it at all or at the, on that level, I should say, in the minor leagues, and certainly not in his uh, couple of stints at AAA. So uh, what do you see Winker's right. role as being next year, and, and what sort of offense do you think he'll provide? You know, it, it was it was interesting because that's been the question about Jesse Winker. Everybody knows he's going to hit, and he can hit, but the power is the question. And he had seven home runs, and I think it was like 120 at-bats. I think it was 121, actually in the big leagues and he hit seven home runs over the last two seasons combined in the minor leagues. <laughs> so to, to say that it was a surprise that that does show you that, yeah, it was quite a surprise. Although I, I think if you look a little bit more into that, um, you know, Louisville is a tough place to hit home runs and his home park there in Louisville. I mean, he did play on the road as well, uh, but it's a, it's a tough place to hit home runs, especially for a left-handed batter. And, I mean, let's be honest, there's a juiced baseball in the majors, and you're playing in a juiced park in Great American Ballpark. So, you know, this has been a question that I've had with many people for a long time. It's like, how many homers is Jesse Winker going to hit in the in the big leagues? And I've had people say I'm crazy for thinking he can hit 20 homers a year in the big leagues. But when you play 81 games at Great American Ballpark, and then you look around at some of the names, I mean, heck, Scooter Jeanette hit 27 this year. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't a full-time starter until after the All-Star break. I mean, yeah, he hit well, four it, in one game. That helps. But still. Yeah, yeah well, it's a, there's a lot to sort out there because you figure some of them are the real deal and some broke out and others, it's hard to know. But Trent, uh, uh, I, there's a lot more I want to talk to you about. Can you stick around for another segment? Anything for you, Al. All right. Great news. All right, folks. Well, uh, you stick around, too. We'll be right back after this break. 
everybody. It's me, Joe Pizzapia, best-selling author of the Fantasy Black Book series. And right now, you can get the 2017 Fantasy Football Black Book on Amazon as we speak. What are you waiting for? You can get it for ebook for your Kindle or for paperback. And it's not just me this year. No, I brought in some friends. I got Jake Seeley. I got Sammy Reed. I got Gary Davenport. I got championships, and they're waiting for you. Find out why the Fantasy Black Book is number one best-selling in fantasy sports for the 10th straight time. You know why? Because once you go Black Book, you never go back. I haven't looked too closely. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And joining me for yet another segment... See Trent Rosecrans from the Cincinnati Inquirer, and if you didn't uh, happen to catch the previous segment, do yourself a favor and go download uh, the Great American Dream uh, podcast that uh, Trent worked very, very hard on and hosts. Uh, so great stuff there. But uh, we had uh, started to dip our toes into the the 2018 pool in the last segment, uh, but there's certainly a lot more to cover. We we're talking about Jesse Winker and trying. This is going to be probably another long-term project for me, Trent, but trying to make sense of what happened with the the lack of power at Louisville and the power explosion uh, once he got called up. And and you you brought up park factors, but it just – this seems to go beyond that. So I I don't have any answers. Uh, But uh, what I am wondering is uh, where do you see him fitting in to the outfield mix uh, this this coming season because uh, it certainly it's, it seems like they could be set with Duvall Hamilton and Shebler but uh, how, how does that all sort out? You know, right now they they're talking about you know kind of doing a four man outfield, um, which we'll see. Um, you know, Billy Hamilton has some. You know, he, he is what he is offensively so far, and that's a sub three hundred on base guy. Is that's your top of the order? but he brings so much value to a team defensively. Um, you talk to any <laughs> any Reds pitcher, they want to see Billy Hamilton in the lineup regardless of where he's hitting or what he's hitting because he saves pitchers quite a bit. Um, but Scott Shebler has played some center field, and um, he's no Billy Hamilton, but few are. Um, you know, and Winker and Duvall, Duvall has really only played left and been very good defensively left and not as comfortable in right, whereas Shebler's played all three, and Winker can play both of the middle. You know, what's what's almost fascinating to me, and this was, again, I, I referenced an interview that um, Zach Buchanan and I did with uh, Reds general manager Dick Williams at the end of the season, whereas Dick Williams said he doesn't know if Billy Hamilton's he, he, Billy Hamilton has to do more to continue to lead off, but he really liked when the Reds led off Jesse Winker. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse is far from a burner, but you know that Jesse Winker is going to give you good at bats and get on base. Um, he's done that. He hasn't he hasn't hit for ha- power in the minors like he did in the majors, but everywhere he's been, he uh, avoids making outs, and that's really uh, a good thing to win baseball games. And that's uh, something that, you know, it, it, when you think of having a guy like Winker, high on base guy batting ahead of Joey Votto, I mean, the highest of on base guys. And then, you know, maybe a guy like Gino Suarez. I mean, you, you know, there's some decent offensive chances there. They may not be the fastest, but um, you can, you can drive in some runs that way. Well, you mentioned uh, Joey Votto and, uh, you know, obviously, like you said, uh, the, the on-basiest of the on-base guys, but just a fantastic overall season. How do you like his MVP chances? I, 
I would expect him to finish anywhere from second to fourth. I don't think he wins. Um, I am a voter, and uh, we are asked not to disclose our votes until after the award is announced. Um, but, you know, I have a nice big spreadsheet where I've looked at it all. Um, I kind of see some categories, and it's one of those things where you start looking at it. Um, you know, some voters are very big on uh, team record. I am not one of those voters. Um, but if you do not count in team record, you figure you have Stanton and Votto. And mm-hmm. you can go back and forth and make a just a, a case for either one of those guys. I mean, Stanton's, Stanton's season was unbelievable. But you go back and you also look at Joey Votto. Joey Votto was unreal. I mean, he called it his piece de resistance. Um, and, and it was, he said that was his goal coming in. And, you know, the other thing is he, he did so many incredible things and there's so many statistics that, that I like to throw out there. Um, but the, one of the easiest ones is if you go on base in 150 games this year, uh, yeah, that and, sounds yeah incredible. I mean, when you, you hear people, uh, you know, announcers cite stats like you know, so and so has gotten on base in the last you know thirteen games in a row, and that sounds like something. And basically, his his season was just one big on base streak. And and he had the on base streak. I forget what it was. I mean, and, and that's again because he had just so many different things, where he had an on base streak of multiple times on base in the twenties. I think he might have gotten like close to thirty. You know, that's just, it's insane. And the other thing is, and in, in talking to Joey, it was really funny. He was doing an interview with uh, Jim Day of Fox Sports Ohio, the excellent um, uh, Fox Sports Ohio uh, sideline, whatever Jim's uh, title is. And Jim asked him about, this is heading into the last week or so, it seems to me, he said, well, you know, looks like you're on pace to, to play all 162. That's, you know, is that a goal? Um, of course, you've done it before. And Joey stopped him right there, and he goes, I've played in 162 before, but I've never started 162 before. Because in 2013, he started he started in 161. But to wow. Joey, there was a difference between <laughs> playing 162 games and starting 162 games. And, uh, and he did that this year. That was one of the things. He also, he was one of, by pretty much any metric, uh, was maybe the worst defensive first baseman in baseball in 2016. In 2017, he's a Gold Glove finalist and earned that. Uh, he he just had this unbelievable season. You look at the power this year. Um, he got to for some people that magical 100 RBI mark that means so much to some, not to me. Um, but he got there. It, it, it was just a phenomenal season. And to watch it every day, it was it was impressive. Um, but you know that's the thing is some people go, well, his team stunk, and you can't argue that they didn't stink, and they would have stunk with them, and they would have stunk without them. You can say the same for the Marlins. And then there's that other group when you look at you know the two guys in Colorado, Blackman and Arenado, who were phenomenal, both of them. Um, you look at Chris Bryant's season, which I think is like. I think it wasn't as good as the season before and people just kind of forgot about it, but Chris Bryant had an amazing season. Um, you know, you you have, uh, Anthony Rendon over in, in, um, Washington, you just had this group of other guys who were very, very good and very deserving and their teams went to the playoffs. So I, I think philosophy 
gets into a lot of these kind of awards. I know philosophy gets in my Hall of Fame voting award, uh, uh, how, I, how I vote on the, that as well. So it's, it's certainly an interesting discussion, and I think we'll see it play out. My guess is Giancarlo Stanton wins, and I think it would be hard to argue against that. Yeah, well, uh, and again, you know, if, if it comes down to him and Votto, then you know, voters can't really rely on the the team factor. Uh, you know, though the Marlins were a, a bit better, but not good enough to, to really be a contender. Uh, well, just to circle back uh, when we were talking about the Reds outfield and, and you know, talking about the defense and, and how Hamilton in particular helped pitchers. Two pitchers who really, I think, surprised everybody, and especially late in the season, were Luis Castillo and Robert Stevenson. I, I just was riveted by the way that Stevenson improved uh, in August and September. What are your expectations for the two of them? Uh, did they show you enough this year uh, to, to have confidence in them to, to be you know, steady producers? And, and again, particularly from a fantasy perspective uh, in, in 2018. I'm I'm a huge believer in Luis Castillo. I mean, his stuff is just uh, it, it, it's phenomenal. Um, I've seen him enough where you know he can hit 99, 100, and I don't. I think his changeup might be his best pitch. Um, he, he he threw this one changeup to Paul Goldschmidt that just still sticks out in my mind that he made Paul Goldschmidt look bad. And you know, and, it, and there's there's the other guy in that MVP conversation. Um, you know, that doesn't happen very much. It was really, um, I, I'm a big believer in Castillo. I think he's very good. He, he has that plus fastball, that plus plus slider and, or not the slider, a change up. And he's kind of worked on this breaking ball. That's good enough. And with the other two pitches, it doesn't have to be great. Now, Robert Stevenson is a, is an interesting question. Um, and, and I think Castillo's in the rotation. Mm-hmm. No matter what he does in spring, um, Stevenson, I can't say that. Um, but he's interesting, and you saw the improvement. And this was the first time that he's been given a shot to kind of stay in that rotation. And, and he's a, still a younger guy. I think we get prospect fatigue um, too often. I mean, he and he and Castillo are about the same age, uh, but we've been hearing about Robert Stevenson forever, and we just heard about Castillo and the Dan Straley trade. Um, so he's a guy that has all the talent. I remember a scout texting me one day after one of his starts, just being like, he's the most maddening player in in the minors because one day you see him and you're like, this guy's a future ace. And the next guy you're like, why does anybody care about this guy? He can just be so up and down, but I think you're seeing him mature a little bit. Um, the one thing with Robert is Robert's a really smart guy. And I think sometimes that works against him because he starts saying too much. Mm-hmm. And now he has really gotten himself under control. He's finding his rhythm in the big leagues. And the stuff, the stuff was going to play. When he's, con- when he's consistent with that stuff, he has the ability to throw several above-average pitches. And he's going to get a shot. And I think, I think he's someone to watch. All right. Well, uh, you know, he's made it also a, a fun pun for us uh, to say that, you know, Robert Stevenson is, is sort of a Jekyll and Hyde pitcher. But uh, hopefully we won't uh, have to say that oh, oh. next year. All right. We're going to end this on a groan because we're just about out of time. But uh, Trent, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today uh, and, and for hanging around for another segment and for putting up with uh, with my puns. Anytime, Al, you know that. (laughs) All right, Trent. Well, you take care.
Uh, all right, You're well, uh, folks, thank you. Uh, we'll come right back, <laughs> talk a little bit more about qualifying offers, a little bit more about the AFL. So uh, stick with us. Muscle Maker Grill was made for baseball season. Muscle Maker Grill supplies you with delicious, healthy meals that will give you energy to cheer on your team week after week. Whether you're craving flavorful salad, packed wraps, or guiltless entrees, Muscle Maker Grill has you covered. Hosting a game? No problem. Our catering packages will have your whole team satisfied with flavors ranging from Italian to Tex-Mex and much, much more. Visit MuscleMakerGrill.com for your nearest location and have a winning season. Welcome back, everybody. This is Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And once again, I'd like to thank C. Trent Rosecrans for uh, joining me for a pair of segments on this show. Could have easily had him on for another, to be honest. Uh, didn't even get a chance to ask him about his fantasy season this year. He does play. Uh, so, But uh, great, great stuff from him on Jesse Winker, uh, Robert Stevenson, Luis Castillo, Zach Cozart situation. Uh, so... Uh, Sure, we'll uh, be hearing from Trent again at some point because uh, he is the go-to person for uh, Reds Info. Uh, but uh, just to, to wrap up here, uh, I had mentioned that, uh, particularly in the context with Zach Cozart, that qualifying offers of the deadlines uh, for those to be made, uh, deadline, excuse me, is Monday, Monday at 5 Eastern. So that's something to, to watch uh, on Monday. And... Uh, Cozart is certainly one of the players who who could be a candidate, but certainly not the most likely candidate. But Lance Lynn, Alex Cobb, CC Sabathia, um, Carlos Santana, maybe Logan Morrison, uh, they could all be recipients. And if they accept, uh, it's a one year deal for seventeen point four million dollars. I put this uh, up to a poll on Twitter this morning, and uh, I think think the respondents coming out uh, on a on a Saturday morning uh, to answer a baseball poll when you could be you know watching uh some some college football but anyway uh so i, I put uh, alex cobb lancelin cc sabathia and carlos santana which player do you think has the best chance to get and accept a qualifying offer and carlos santana won by a pretty good margin 35 percent cc sabathia was second at 25 percent alex cobb right behind him 22 percent and lance lynn I think very little surprise that he got the fewest votes, 18%, uh, not because he won't get an offer, but just because I imagine he could command a lot more on the free agent market. So uh, I have to say, the the results make a lot of sense to me here. Uh, And, and of course, not many players have accepted a qualifying offer, only five in history, three two seasons ago, two last year. So good chance nobody uh, accepts one, but it'll be interesting to watch. And uh, finally, don't forget, there is baseball tonight. There is there is minor league baseball, Arizona Fall League. It's the AFL Fall Stars game tonight from Arizona. Uh, and it is going to be worth watching because Ronald Acuna is uh, on uh, one of the rosters. Victor Robles is there. Francisco Mejia, you might even get to see him play some third base. He's been playing some third base in the AFL, which could make for a very interesting spring training storyline. Uh, for the Indians, and uh, what uh, do they do with their infield if Mejia is not going to catch? Uh, what happens maybe to Jason Kipnis? Does he 
go to the outfield on a on a permanent basis? Uh, is there a trade maybe to free up uh, a space there? So uh, Kyle Tucker will be there. Uh, and uh, as far as the pitchers to watch, Mitch Keller and Justice Sheffield, uh, they're probably the two best ones that are rostered. One pitcher not on a Fall Stars roster is Max Freed. And that's a bit of a surprise to me because he's been the best pitcher in the AFL so far. 196 ERA, .91 whip. He leads the AFL in strikeouts with 29 and an innings pitch with 23. He's having a heck of a a campaign in a league that is very unkind to pitchers. So, uh, you know, he uh, showed us something in a a brief call-up with the Braves uh, in September. So uh, that the AFL generally is not a real big difference maker in terms of fantasy value, but uh, Freed is, is a player to watch, even if you can't watch him tonight. So uh, on that note, folks, uh, time to head out of here, but uh, hope you have a great weekend. Hope you have fun watching the game tonight if uh, you, you have time to do that. And I'll be back here same time next Saturday here on Fantasy Sports Radio Network. And uh, just be sure now to stay tuned for the producers. Have a great weekend, everybody.